Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Six. And Father, I at the end of the previous out, episode outlined a societal issue that's been going on in my head that I've been trying to, to figure out. And to try to make it a little bit more succinct this go around, we know that systemically, and this actually is because it's generation to generation, People that grow up in dysfunctional, abusive houses tend to replicate that in the next, when they become adults, they become more likely to be abusive or to get abused. And individually, we all have these senses, um, probably literal senses too, of being able to detect danger and people we want to associate ourselves with as growing up. I mean, that's part of why high school is so hard for some people. They just can't figure out who they want to be with and so on and so forth. But once we get to adulthood, most of us have kind of figured out this is the group I'm at and this is the group that I, I want to be with. And transferring from one segment to another is very difficult. Um, so society basically kind of funnels you in without ever actually saying this. We all just kind of do it ourselves. I want to be around other successful people. I want my children to be around successful people. I don't want them to be around, you know, drug addicts and murderers. You know, I think that that's a safe sentence. And my wife agrees with that. Hence why we're together. You know, if, if she didn't agree with that, we probably wouldn't be together and she would be with someone that would agree with that. So it kind of becomes a self-selecting perpetual thing here. And my question is, is as we look at society at large what is it that we could do to help fix this problem um you know the, the 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 first answer i came up with was be a better parent but that is so vague there's no way to truly measure that or, or, or implement that um and, and these are these are the, the questions i've really been trying to work on and and try to come up with a solution to because i, I really think that it's a vital problem to probably the human race, not just the American society, but, but to all of us and getting progress on that would, would certainly help. So father, with that being said, I want to give you a chance here to, to articulate the answer or if there is an answer. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> there are lots of answers. Uh, I think there's That's no good. one answer. Uh, by necessity, the uh, you know being a better parent is certainly an important thing. Uh, your son is going to interact with other people, and the fact that he had a good dad and has certain expectations of how he's loved and supported, and he has a positive image of what how God loves and supports him, is going to make him more naturally an evangelist who can share that with his peer group, and that's going to have an influence. And some of his friends are going to be surprised at the way that his dad is patient and understanding when he does something stupid, when he makes a mistake. And they're going to learn from that because they're going to see an example of what God's heart looks like from a concrete experience of one of their peers. So uh, your parenting really matters for your own children, for all of uh, his children their children and for all of their peers and, and the other people that they influence. What we were talking about, uh, I 
made the claim, you know, your employees putting down goals that are relational, that are uh, things happening at home is a sign that they're picking things up, I would say, from you, that they're getting the idea that those are important values in your company. And it's maybe uh, you're 50% responsible or 80% responsible or whatever it is. But all the same, uh, that makes a difference. You set a tone, you create an environment in which you value certain things, and that spreads out and and reinforces that. And maybe uh, you are setting up some extremes. You know, there are uh, homes in which the husband beats his wife and his children. Uh, there can be all kinds of reasons for that too. But uh, in the sense of mental illness and and other kinds of uh, personality disorders that might be more difficult to overcome but in terms of uh, the reality it's not quite so extreme in most cases that's a certain extreme that's going to take a different kind of intervention not unlike what i was saying about father gregory boyle and reaching out to kids who are in gangs i mean gangs are pretty extreme and uh he's had tremendous success when he went to la he didn't have a strategy in mind he went and decided to be there among the poor and to and he thought that it was going to be something like you know food or housing or friendship or whatever else and it became pretty clear that what was really necessary was a form of employment that they needed good work to do in a healthy place and then he had to learn the kinds of rules that he needed to enforce that would keep them at their best and begin to uh, curtail their worst so he had to learn all of that you know, and so it came step by step. It didn't come as an answer, shrink wrapped from heaven, and then just uh, you know add water and watch it grow. But he had to learn those things, and I think that's you know the very fact that you're asking the question is really important. And I think if everybody asked the question, that would be a good starting point. If we were at least disturbed by the fact that there are exactly as you said, self-selecting or self-reinforcing groups of people that create kind of subcultures that are really destructive, or at least that are holding people back. I mean, uh, keeping people from thriving because it's reinforcing trauma and passing that on through generations. So we have to care. And then we find ways in, and that's going to be a variety of different things. I was going to say, before we decided to uh, launch off on this subject, I was thinking, it might be fun to talk a little bit about what I did Sunday night. I'm uh, in Detroit at the moment, giving a retreat for some Chaldean priests, but um, who, by the way, are from Iraq. So it's the Iraqi Catholic community. Um, a lot of people don't think of Arabic and Christianity going together, but you know we are the originals. And uh, <laughs> these Chaldean priests are, you know, people who have been exiled and had a lot of martyrdom, murders in their families suffered a lot from ISIS, at least uh, in, in uh, relatives, if not personally. And anyway, but they're marvelous people, beautiful Catholic people, gentle, merciful, uh, Arabic, and Middle Eastern, and all of those, those terrible images that we learned to uh, be scared of or even hate when we saw them appear on the news. And these are lovely people with all the same features, and yet with uh, great gentleness and uh, great humor and just wonderful to be with. 
anyway, that's a side point. But uh, while I was here in Detroit, I went with a Franciscan of the Holy Spirit, and we went to Walmart for two hours to pray with people. That was our purpose. Uh, now, we also bought a couple of things so that we didn't look like we were uh, just loitering. But uh, anyway, we went around the store for two hours and just said, hey, uh, excuse me, uh, we're just going around praying with people, blessing people. Can we can we pray with you? And you know, we encountered a, a quite a few, I don't know, we prayed with 20, 25 people, something like that in two hours, just uh, little encounters. And uh, one woman was in tears after we prayed with her. She had been really struggling. And it was a real sign from God that total strangers, you know, this guy in a long black robe and a guy in a long gray robe who are smiling and kind and caring and uh, want to listen and just want to ask for God's help, uh, gave her a miraculous medal and a little card and, uh, and, you know, and she's in tears. And another person who was like, I think you just, I think you've been reading my journal. You know, the prayer you offered is just like exactly what I've been going through. Another guy we were praying with and the brother Andre that I was uh, partnered up with, he said, uh, we were just praying and he said, and God, you know, just bring healing and, and remove any pain, any uh, harm that might be in his shoulder. And uh, this guy had been kind of resistant and was like sort of tolerating us. And then he suddenly opened up. He goes, how'd you know something was wrong with my shoulder? And he's like, I don't know what's wrong with your shoulder. He goes, I had a broken clavicle and it hasn't really healed right. I'm like, well, good. Let's pray for God's healing. You know, anyway, just little ways of breaking into people's lives. And we were talking, you know, and then we we gave a word of encouragement. We reminded people how much Jesus loves them. We we just said, you know, we're all going through hard things. Let's uh let's pray, pray for God's peace in your heart. You know, God loves you so much, and He just wants to be in your life. And let's pray for for His peace in your heart. And then we ask Him, you know, do you feel the peace of God? And they're like, Yeah, I do. I feel so much better. Thank you so much. And we're like, and you know, you can ask for God's help anytime you want to. You don't you don't need to wait for us to come around. You can just ask him for that peace. He wants to give you peace in your life. The reason I bring this up related to what you brought up is who knows how life-changing that is for people. There are people who are encountering God through a couple of guys who decided to just spend some time at Walmart and pray with people. Now, we're in habits, so that's nice. It's on the one hand a sign of God's presence. On the other hand, it can be kind of scary. So, you know, somebody who's not in a habit may uh, may have different advantages and disadvantages. But any one of our listeners can go. It's nice to do a two-by-two. Two. You can kind of play off of each other and support each other. And and we also had encounters where people were like, no, no, I'm not interested. That's fine. Um, or like, no, that's, that's you know, leave me alone. Um, Brother Andre tells me he's gotten kicked out of Walmart sometimes in the past. But anyway, the, uh, you know, anyone, any one of us can encounter people. and. And just pray with them and ask for God's peace in their life. And just experiencing that once can make a difference, can really make a difference. And <clears throat> it's all of these kinds of uh, experiences of breakthrough, showing people that there's a better way, giving them hope that there is, uh, uh, there can be peace in this life and that things don't have to be just the, the repetition of trauma. Um, and, and that's where a lot of programs, so we have something, now I always forget the names of these things. Uh, I think it's called Second Mile. Um, anyway, we have a program at St. Vincent where we take kids from inner city Pittsburgh and we bring them out for a summer camp. And sometimes just that week apart, 
out of the jungle of the city into the peaceful space of the St. Vincent campus, spending some time doing some positive things, experiencing what what real love, support, uh, appreciation, patience, kindness, just having a taste for that because we're made for it. And so sometimes a taste of it starts to plant an idea like maybe life could really be this way. Maybe there's a different path for me and can open up some of those possibilities. But I think a lot of those different kinds of programs are aiming at answering your question, Joe, which is like, what can we do to break the cycle? How can we insert something good into these repeatedly destructive, increasingly destructive cycles passed on from generation to generation, reinforced by communities of the same kind of thought, the people who beat get together with the people who are used to being beaten, and then we just have a lot of a lot of pain and trauma in some of these spaces. How do we break into it? And <clears throat> I think a lot of different ways, you know. And uh, I know our college. We had a guy a couple years ago. We have some. We have a a, a daughter house in Brazil, and so we have some connection with different places in Brazil. And we pulled a guy out of a favela, so literally like a cardboard. Uh, house in the streets of Sao Paulo. And uh, somebody had identified that this is a guy with real possibility if he can be lifted out of this situation. We brought him to the US, uh, formed him, gave him a college education. And that guy is amazing. I mean, he is just thriving. Uh, He's an example of somebody who just needed somebody to believe in him and needed an opportunity. Really, really gifted. Uh, so there are those kinds of stories, you know. I think wherever our place of influence is, we can we can make a difference. After our last uh, the episode two episodes ago, when you and I talked, Joe, I, I talked to uh, one of my friends who uh, is going to be ending her job here soon, but she is uh, has been known as the ambassador to the poor at the Red Door downtown in Pittsburgh. And I was telling her about you and our conversation, and she said, you know. One of the things the poor suffer from in housing, uh, like when they're leasing or whatever, is their landlords don't respond to you know things that are broken. The heat goes out and the landlord doesn't respond. And what are they going to do? Sue them? You know, they can complain and they can say it's not fair, but if the landlord doesn't respond, he doesn't respond, and there's not a lot of recourse. And eventually, it's too cold to live there, or the water doesn't work, or you know, just some things that are fairly basic. And she said having somebody to call who can come into a place and, you know, free of charge or whatever for a more minimal charge, or maybe uh, paid for by somebody else can just say, oh, listen, you know, you just need to fix this thing, tweak this thing, replace this thing, and you're good to go. That somebody who actually cares, you know, anyway, those, and, and then the, somebody experiences that somebody else went out of their way for them and they feel grateful. You know, and maybe that happens a couple of times and they think, I want to go out of my way for somebody. I want to stop the the trend of uh, taking, uh, of blaming, of uh, of hurting. I want to stop the trend of controlling and, and violence. And I want to also uh, be good and gratitude for somebody who is who is good to me. So anyway, I think there are a lot of ways that we can demonstrate charity. And charity is also infectious. You know, you were sort of pointing out that that uh, uh, vice is infectious, that when you are beaten, you're more likely to beat someone else. Um, But charity is also infectious. And 
we can feel that it's really good when somebody shows love to us and maybe we'll be more likely to turn around and, and show that love to someone else. And in all of that, I, I want to point out a, a common thread. You go above and beyond what's expected regularly. You know, I, I, I don't know the exact difference of being a Benedictine monk versus being a, a, a priest in the diocese, but there's a reason you don't see a whole lot of people trying to evangelize in public in the way that you did walking through a Walmart is because inevitably you are going to get some negative feedback as you mentioned there. And most of us being society cannot handle rejection. And, and I think that this might be all part of it. And, you know, in my world, it's once you can get past, basically X amount of people telling you no on a cold call, it never will bother you again. Now, does that make you a callous person? No, it makes you realize the risk that you had of this venture in your head is not what it is in real life. The real life is you're going to hear a click of a phone um, without the answer you wanted. Well, that kind of is not that big of a problem, you know? <laughs> and, I, I first off commend anyone who's willing to go out and try something because I think that that is something that most people are afraid to do. Um, whether it's, it's it's a great, well thought out plan or not, uh, the the actual implementation and trying of it has held back way more great ideas than it has ever helped. Um, just as as a fact of life, just just never trying to to do it and. You know, it, it's something as you were telling that story, I was like, oh, he has got to be getting told no a lot. But it's also one of these things that in, in, in life, I mean, not just in sales, but obviously in all of life, you never know the upside that can happen either. You know, this could be the thing that, that changes someone's life and makes it so much better. You know, in my world, I believe the product that I'm selling is that answer and it will make people's lives better as a result. Um, obviously, um, talking about God will do that more so than anything, uh, any product ever could as, um, you know, God is infinite and my products are finite by definition. Um, but the point being is that trying and being willing to go out and, you know, if they're saying no, it's not an attack on you as an individual, um, you know, that they might be upset with your profession or whatever, but that doesn't make you a bad person or you any different than how you were 10 minutes before that encounter. You're someone who's out there trying to make a difference. And when you look at it through that context, which is the truth, there's no downside. There's only upside. It's you can reach out to someone and you're going to bring them into a space that's much better than when it wasn't. Um, you know, being moved to tears for me is really hard and really rare. I know for other people it's not. Um, but but when I hear a story of that, that, especially in a public place, in the candy aisle, to just have that kind of movement come across me, that's that that that's real. And that's the type of thing that, it's not easy to do. So I guess whether it be talking to a complete stranger or talking to someone you might already have a relationship with of how to make things better, 
and figuring out how to do that in a way that's not implying they're doing things wrong. You know, it's not like you were going up to people and saying, oh, you bought this version of, of this product instead of the other one. So you're a bad person. We need to pray that you'll make a good decision. You know, it was just, I, I'm assuming you came with the mentality. We don't think there's anything wrong with you, but the, the boundless love of God is here. And just for a brief minute, would you want to share it? I'm assuming that's essentially what your yeah. conversation mentality it was. Uh, was. funny that you should bring that up because the, the first person we talked to, uh, we said, hey, uh, excuse me. And she goes, yes. And we said, uh, you know, we're just uh, just going around praying with some people. And uh, she goes, do I look like I need to be prayed with? <laughs> we're like, I mean, no, but I mean, everybody needs prayers. She goes, okay. And anything we can pray for you for? Well, you know, everybody needs prayers. I was like, oh my gosh, he's so anxious. Anyway, well, it's, it's also you unique, know, you right? That, like, you know, how many people yeah, have we, ever been solicited with that? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, you said you probably get a lot of rejection. We actually didn't get a lot of rejection. The first first couple people were a little bit resistant, interestingly. For I mean, it was random that it happened to be the first couple people. After that, everybody's pretty open. You know, they're. Uh, in fact, uh, one one woman was on a was on a cart and kind of backed up and almost backed up into us. And we said, "Whoa!" And then she saw us and she goes, "Could you pray for me?" And we're like, "We were just going to ask you that." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, people are very open, actually. <clears throat> you know, and some people uh, some people were you know sort of willing. Other people were interested. Some people were eager, and uh, and so we you know talked a little longer with some than with others, and. Try not to make people, you know, more uncomfortable than they were, they were uh, able to to handle there. And but uh, yeah, it's amazing, you know. So many we make things too complicated a lot of times. We have very rich theology, and we have a lot of complicated answers to a lot of complicated problems. But sometimes it's just a human connection and saying a prayer for somebody, showing that even though it's a total stranger, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we actually care about the person. And that can make a huge difference in someone's life. Absolutely. And I, I do want to push back a little bit on something you said there about how it was random that, that the problems came in the beginning, if you will. Um, it, it, it's actually would have been you and the priest figuring out how to do it better. Um, and that's something that happens with all of us through practice in, in, in individual relationships. And, and I know you're a world-class on prayer, I try to tell you, learn how to do it better, but that that's, that's the way people are. This is why when someone gets handed a sales script on their first day, they end up normally changing it as time goes on because they adapt it to what's currently working in the moment. And it might not, what they adapted to might not be better. It's that's also a fact, but they're getting results with it. And that's, that's just a human thing that that's why you can have such a different experience one day and versus another day. And it just little, it, it's just a psychological thing. I, I I'm not a PhD in that, but I just know it from enough experience and living it that it's a thing. Um, and, it, and to your point of not being alone out there and having a, a, a helper with you is vital in all of this capacity get a lot of resistance of that in my sales world i don't want to split my commission with someone but at the end of the day it ends up being a much better prospect you, you end up closing more things getting more sales and 
normally when done correctly, you two both are better off as a team than you would be as individual lone wolves. So, sorry, I didn't mean to, to derail anything you said, but um, I think that's important to note. Being together and being open to, to what's successful in riding with it is part of it. And that gets to the point of trying it, it will work. And actually the hardest part is the beginning. And then it gets better the more and more you implement something. The more and more you practice it and, and do it. And um, that that's the ultimate circle I was trying to get to there to, to, to conclude that. So, Father, if you have any final thoughts for today's episode, I, I definitely want to give you a chance to share them. Otherwise, we'll, uh, we'll conclude. I just want to reinforce what you said, Joe, about uh, being willing to try. So I think the takeaway message is care, be bothered by the problems, uh, and then try something. Try the solution, try the approach that makes sense in your state in life, in the context of your relationships, your city, your community, your family, your whatever. Uh, if we're all making an effort, the Holy Spirit is definitely making an effort, and he will work with our effort to make it the right effort, make it fruitful. Beautiful, beautiful. And there's something we can all do moving into the next week. So we thank everyone for listening and we will be with you again next week.